People think you're meant to just switch off your thoughts. And actually, it's pretty impossible to switch off your thoughts. There might be a few seconds when you're not thinking of something, but most of the time, you're going to be thinking. When you're sitting and your thoughts start to come up, is just to watch them like clouds in the sky. So if you were staring out the window and looking at the clouds, you're not trying to move them in any way. You're just watching them and they're very, they're floating and the clouds are very fluid, even if they look a little bit angry. And that's what the thoughts can be like they just start to flow and then suddenly they're gone and another cloud comes by so when we're sitting there and thinking about trying to quiet the mind as it were there should be no goal there should be no pushing or pulling and actually it's the pushing and pulling that makes it so hard if we can just surrender and focus on something then the meditation becomes a lot more effortless You're listening to Say Yes to You with me, Just Ange Marie, a podcast focused on inspiring you to say yes to you, your life, and your happiness. Let's say yes to showing up genuinely, authentically, and unapologetically to become a better, stronger version of you one episode at a time. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Say Yes to You. My name is Ange, I am your host as always, and let me just say right off the bat that I feel like today's episode is long overdue. Today we are finally talking about all things meditation. Now some of you guys might be wondering, what the heck even is meditation anyway? Maybe it's something that you've been hearing about and have seen trending on social media, especially over the past year or so, but you're not really sure what it is and if it's something that you should even try. So first, let's start off by simply defining the word meditation. According to Google, my go-to for definitions, meditation is a practice where an individual uses a technique such as mindfulness or focusing the mind on a particular object, thought, or activity to train attention and awareness and achieve a mentally clear and emotionally calm and stable state. So, When it comes to meditation, I personally started meditating two years ago after moving home from college. For those of you that are not familiar with my background and my story, I made the personal decision to move home from living on my college's campus a semester earlier than I could have to focus on my mental health. I was basically over the college scene and also felt depressed and anxious and wanted to get to the bottom of those feelings that I had been feeling since the spring of 2018. So I moved home and one of the new practices that I incorporated into my everyday routine in an attempt to lessen my everyday anxiety was meditation. Now, there are many different ways to meditate and we'll talk more about that in today's episode in my conversation with my new friend, Rosie. But in 2018 and until this day, I continue to meditate using 10 minute guided meditations. For a long time, I used the Calm app, that is C-A-L-M, to meditate. And if you're not a meditator or a meditation beginner or a newbie, I could not recommend the Calm app more. This is not an ad. I am not sponsored, I promise. I get absolutely nothing out of talking about the Calm app. I've just talked about it so much and posted about it on my Instagram over the past two years because of how much it personally benefited me when I was a meditation beginner. To use the Calm app, you first have to, of course, download the app to your phone, then find a quiet and comfortable place to sit, 
preferably in a space where you can be completely unbothered for 10 minutes, sit in a comfortable seated position. I like to crisscross my legs and rest my hands on my knees, then use the daily calm on the home screen of the app for a 10 minute guided daily meditation. Listen to the narrator guide you through the meditation and that's literally it. So that's how I started meditating two years ago, simply making the time every morning before my day started to sit in my room in front of a window, usually with a candle lit, and press play on the Daily Calm on the Calm app. Now I use the Peloton app for my daily morning meditations. There are hundreds and hundreds of meditations on the Peloton app with a bunch of different instructors, both male and female, ranging from 5 minutes to 30 minutes long. This is again not an ad, not sponsored, just one person to another talking about something that works extremely well for me in my everyday life. Now, I usually meditate as soon as I wake up in the morning or right after I exercise. I find it extremely beneficial to specifically meditate before or after a yoga session or after a cycling or weightlifting session. And the last thing I will say about meditation on a personal note before we get into my conversation with Rosie is that it is a practice. The word practice is a verb meaning to perform an activity or exercise a skill repeatedly or regularly in order to improve or maintain one's proficiency. When I say the word practice, the first thing that comes to mind for me is a sport. I played a bunch of different sports growing up, basketball, soccer, volleyball, field hockey, etc. And the thing about a sport is that you always have practices, typically multiple times throughout a week, leading up to a game or games on the weekend. The way that you prepare for a game or games is by showing up for multiple practices throughout the week, right? So it's literally the same kind of thing with meditation or yoga. It's just that nobody usually thinks about it in that way. People usually try meditating once or twice and say something like, I don't like it or I'm not good at it because they can't seem to silence their thoughts. And that's another thing in itself. The point of meditation isn't to silence your thoughts completely or to not have any thoughts for the entirety of your session. You're not bad at meditation if you have thoughts as you're meditating. And Rosie and I will talk more about that today. But anyway, as I was saying, meditation is a practice. Just like any sport, the only way you will get quote-unquote better at or more familiar and comfortable with the concept and act of meditating is by showing up every single day to practice it. Could you imagine being on a soccer team and never showing up for practice, but showing up for your games and just expecting to be good at it and for it to all come familiarly and naturally to you? Don't get me wrong, I'm sure there are some special people out there in the universe who can probably do that, but you get what I'm trying to say. Long story short, the only way you're going to feel like you're getting better at or good at meditation is by showing up every single day and practicing. In my opinion, I think that's why they call it a practice. Anyway, enough about me and my experience with meditation, let's get into the good stuff. Today, I am sitting down and talking with Rosie Badamelli, a holistic well-being practitioner and transformational coach currently based in London. Rosie currently focuses on one-on-one mentoring, movement, breathwork, and you guessed it, meditation. 
Rosie believes that stillness and rest are an integral part of our being that most of us have forgotten how to do. She says, we've embodied a doing culture where we are constantly looking towards the next thing, forgetting that our life is right here in this moment. We've created anxiety, fear, and guilt around resting and nurturing our higher self. To come back home to yourself, we focus our attention on the breath, bringing awareness to the present moment, watching the narrative of the mind from a witnessing perspective. And honestly, I'm going to leave it at that. If you're interested in learning more about meditation, breath work, movement, and just finding more peace and relaxation and clarity in your everyday life, then this conversation with Rosie is definitely for you. So I'm really happy that you're here listening in today. And without further ado, let's dive right into today's episode. Here is my conversation about meditation and mindfulness with Rosie. Rosie, if you would first like to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about who you are and what you do in your everyday life. Amazing. Thank you for having me. Um, yes, my name's Rosie. I am a purpose, pleasure and power mentor and coach um, and a yoga teacher as well. So I kind of do embodiment, healing and transformational work, uh, meditation, breath work, loads of different modalities um, just to basically help women and couples reignite their luminosity and radiate beauty and excitement from the inside out. So how did you get into coaching? What led you to pursue the path that you're on today? When I was about 17, and I'm 30 now, so when I was 17, I had really bad anxiety and depression. I didn't know what, where it came from. I didn't know what to do with it. As a lot of us do, you know, it started kind of as panic attacks. And those panic attacks started manifesting into physical ailments in the body, so lumps in the throat, and thinking that I was really ill and had different like ailments and cancer and whatever, you know, anything you can think of, you name it, I thought I had it. And so very health anxiety it kind of turned into. I also had a lot of trust issues because I'd gone from relationship to relationship and kept repeating the same pattern, getting cheated on. Um, and it wasn't until later on in life that I realized that, you know, that was a partly my trauma that I was carrying from relationship to relationship. Um, so I went to my first yoga class and I came out the yoga class being able to actually breathe again for the first time in just months. Like I did, you know, I'd had these panic attacks. I'd had this lump in the throat. It hadn't gone away. And it was the first time it kind of eased off, I guess. You know, I, I didn't want to take prescription drugs and, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking them, but I just didn't want to take that route. And I thought I could get there on my own. So I started reading a lot of self-help books, Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now, and Dr. Wayne Dyer, There's a Spiritual Solution to Every Problem. And from there and the yoga classes, I was like, I need to share this with other people. So it wasn't until a few years later that I went to my yoga training. Once I'd done my yoga training, you know, I started teaching straight away after that. And then a couple of years, maybe three or so years passed. And I knew that I wanted to still give more. Like yoga was great. And I love using that as a practice and as a modality. But I wanted it to be along with a lot of other things. You know, I, I always knew that I loved giving advice and supporting people. I always knew that I wanted to do something to help exhausted women and couples because 
of my experience with relationship. So yeah, I just got into coaching from there and now I run my own mentorship. So what does it mean to you to be a mentor to other people? I don't want to teach people to be more like me. Being a coach and being a teacher, what you want is to, what I definitely want from my practices and my my clients is to give people a tools and a practice so they can adapt and embody more authenticity and be more like them but actually operate at this high level of existence of power but a peaceful power and of this blissful pleasure so that people can actually you know operate in that in in a way that they feel they can manage life because challenges are going to come up there's nothing we can do about that they're meant to come we're meant to expand and contract and i think that's a really important thing to remember is that we're not trying to ever get rid of those like challenging times because sometimes they're the most important part of our life we learn so much from them and we go through that dirt and come out the other side and you know blossom um so it's actually just helping them utilize and prepare themselves to to manage that on their own so one of the biggest challenges for a lot of us over the past year was obviously covid and did you get more clients was there like a booming in your business because that was a huge challenge for a lot of people and still is Yes, definitely. It's been um, there's a lot of frazzled, frazzled minds at the moment. And I think when we're left to our own devices and we don't have the distraction of the everyday external world, we have to go internal. There's no other choice. And I think if you're already on the journey, it might not have been as challenging. But even for me, I found it challenging, even for like a lot of people I know who are very, you know, already very familiar with these practices, they still found it challenging. So for people who don't actually already have those tools and don't know about it, it's been really really hard and I think we've had an influx of people who are just demotivated feeling a lack of self-confidence and belief and a lack of connection to not just others because obviously we haven't been able to see each other but also a lack of connection to themselves it can be pretty scary sitting with your own thoughts if you're not used to doing it when you've got a guide and a coach it makes it so much more manageable and beautiful just to have someone guide you along that journey i mean you know i have a coach as well i couldn't couldn't live without them so it's really important to have that support network so what if there is someone listening right now that can relate to exactly what you just said they feel lost they feel disconnected and they don't know where to begin on a journey of taking better care of themselves especially during such a hard time what would you say to that person so i'd say first of all it's very normal it's it's really we need to acknowledge that it's totally normal um to to feel that way because we kind of think that we're the only ones in the world that feel like that and even though we when we're in a good place we realize that everyone feels the same but when we're in a bad place it's really hard to think from that limitless loving um compassionate mindset it's very hard because once you're in a lacking mindset and you're feeling like the victim of your own life it's very hard to get out of that on your own even when you do have the tools so when you don't have them i'd say the first thing to do is is to reach out to someone even if it's just a friend and just say how you're feeling i think that first and foremost so that you realize you're not alone and you realize that people can actually help and listen to you and sometimes just talking it out to someone is like a breath of fresh air and then you know after that thinking about tools that you can start to start to embody thinking stuff like meditation and gratitude journaling you can start those practices like straight away and you'll see changes very quickly of course 
they need to be consistent to actually benefit in the long term. But that doesn't mean that the changes won't happen immediately. The biggest thing that I'd say, or the, the best tool I could give anyone, I think, is when they're feeling in that really stuck place and they don't know how to get out is to find themselves a pattern disruptor and a pattern disruptor is basically how can you take yourself and remove yourself from that situation because you can't think your way out of a funk it is impossible emotion means energy in motion it's it's latin for energy in motion so we want to shift the emotion so when you feel that the best thing to do is be like, okay, how can I start to shift this? Do I want to move my body? Do I want to go for a walk? Do I want to scream into a pillow? Do I want to go and take a cold shower? Because cold showers are really great for activating the vagus nerve, which is also helping to balance the nervous system. And of course, there's also your breath. Your breath is one of the, the easiest and it's a free tool that we have inside of us, which we forget that when we're feeling panicked, if we just take a few deep breaths, even if you don't know actual like breath um, techniques, just a deep breath in through the nose and a cleansing exhale out can really change everything. <laughs> so going more into meditation, I would love to talk more about that. And how did you get started with meditation? Where did that all begin for you? So yes, meditation. Meditation is one of those things that it, it's, it can be really hard to, to begin because, you know, when you don't know where to start and you aren't used to sitting with your thoughts, it, like I said earlier, it is quite scary. I kind of dipped in and out of it for a few years, as I think most people do when they start getting into it. It's, it's one of those things that once it becomes consistent and a habit, it's really easy to like just embody and bring into your life every single day. Just starting is the main thing, even if it's just for two to five minutes. So I think when I started, I mean, it was a long time ago, but I was just sitting for two to five minutes and just focusing on breath or doing a guided meditation. Because when we are a little bit nervous and um, we don't know how to manage sitting with our own thoughts, the best thing to do is to be guided so that you're actually not left to your own devices, if that makes sense. You know, there are so many apps out there and, and um, guided meditations. And of course, coaches like myself and like all of us light workers who you can go to and actually will guide you through it. So you can actually book sessions with that, with those people to just get you started. I would say the biggest challenges that people come across is that people think you're meant to just switch off your thoughts. And actually, it's pretty impossible to switch off your thoughts. There might be a few seconds when you're not thinking of something, but most of the time you're going to be thinking. When you're sitting and your thoughts start to come up, is just to watch them like clouds in the sky. So if you were staring out the window and looking at the clouds, you're not trying to move them in any way. You're just watching them and they're very, they're floating and the clouds are very fluid even if they look a little bit angry and that's what the thoughts can be like they just start to flow and then suddenly they're gone and another cloud comes by so when we're sitting there and thinking about trying to quiet the mind as it were there should be no goal there should be no pushing or pulling and actually it's the pushing and pulling that makes it so hard if we can just surrender and focus on something then the meditation becomes a lot more effortless um, for example things that you can do is just focusing on the breath you can focus on, you can put music on and focus on the music. You can have mantra, which is basically like chanting, or you can focus on like an affirmation. So you can, you can go in with an intention and just keep saying the same affirmation in your head. And that can help to begin with just when you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed at all the thoughts coming up. I feel like recently meditation has become something that is a bit more 
trendy, I guess you could say. And a lot of people are seeing that meditation is becoming more popular. And why would you recommend meditating to someone who is seeing that it's something that a lot of people are starting to do more, but they're not sure if it's something that they should try? I mean, when trends come up, it can seem a bit like, should I hop on the trend? Is it actually, you know, um, sustainable? Is it good? Or is this just another fad? And meditation has been around for millennia. It's been around for a very, very long time. What I would say to that is out of all my practices that I do, and I do a lot like journaling and yoga and other kind of um, movement practices, meditation, like inner child work, all of it. I would say that meditation is my core practice that I will never go a day without. And there's a good reason for it. When we think about meditating, why we're doing it, you know, why why should you do it? And like I said, when we can make changes straight away, the changes can start to take place straight away, but it might feel a little bit like nothing is happening because I've had clients, for instance, come to me and they've been meditating for a week and they're like, it's not working. <laughs> um, I just say, okay, if you went to the gym for a week, would you expect to look different and, and, you'll, and be stronger straight away? No, it's the same thing with meditation. It's the same thing with anything. You can't pick up a practice in a week. I mean, it's very rare to pick up something that you've never done before and suddenly, you know, be really good at it. Not that there is a way to be good at meditation, but that's the only way I can really describe it if you're looking at it from that that perspective. The reason it's so important and the reason it's been so beneficial in my life and my clients and, and everyone I know who started doing it, I'd say the biggest thing is just because you you create more peace you create more space. Even if there's not space at the the moment you're meditating, you're creating more space in your mind. The way I like to think of that is, you know, you wouldn't go outside, get really muddy, come in and just go straight to bed, wake up and get really muddy again. You'd have a shower, you'd shower off the the dirt and the, um, the cobwebs or whatever else is going on. And it's the same thing with the mind. So you're doing it as a, a hygiene for your mind, but because you can't see it, we can only feel it. It's, a little bit more difficult to go, okay, this is something I need to do in my life. You know, I need, you need to brush your teeth. You need to have a shower. You need to be cleansing on the outside. But what are we doing to cleanse on the inside? And the reason mental health, you know, is so crazy is because all we're doing every single year is adding more stuff. We're adding more um, pressure. We're adding more stuff to our diaries. You know, we're all we've all got side projects and that the internet's constantly feeding us information at like a really, really high rate and it's getting quicker and quicker. So the more that happens, the more we need to meditate because we need to go, ah, there's so much fake news and so much fear being said into us. How can I just stop for a moment and just breathe and just be? Because at the end of the day, we're we're human beings. We're not human doings. (laughs) And I think that's a really important thing to to note is that we can't be going 100 miles an hour all the time. And the biggest benefit for me, I think, of meditation is that you just have more peace and compassion in your life. Your heart is more wide open. You you see people with more compassion through that lens and you're not angry as much. You know, when you, when you feel anger, it's there, but you know how to manage it and you know how to control it and you don't sort of shout at your partner or shout at your, your parents or whoever else it is that you maybe shout at. You, you actually start to respond to life rather than react to it, which is just when we react from our defenses, it's never a good thing. And um, 
that's pretty much what it's what it's doing, I would say. Can you talk a little bit more about how meditation relates to mental health? And I just know that, especially again over the past year, there's definitely been a rise in anxiety and depression. And how does meditation specifically aid in a positive way when it comes to your mental health? What's happening is we're getting stuck in a state of either fear and fight or flight, which is anxiety, which is really kind of havoc for the nervous system to stay in one space. Like we, we need the fight or flight response, which is the um, sympathetic. And we need the parasympathetic, which is the more grounding. But when we get stuck in one, so what happens when you've gone into depression is you've actually got stuck in parasympathetic, which is the grounding one, which you think is a good thing. But if you're feeling in a blissful place, there's actually two two areas of parasympathetic. So there's the blissful state where you just feel calm and dreamy and like orgasmic and life is just happening with you and it's really beautiful. And you've got the kind of burnout. So once you've gone past anxiety, which is the like that horrible energy feeling where it's, it's not a nice, excited feeling, it's like a panicked feeling. If you've been in that too long, you're probably gonna reach burnout eventually, or if you've just been overworked. And burnout is when we just have no energy left. We feel depleted. And if, you know, that's how depressed people feel. And, and I, I had depression, you know, seven years ago, and I remember the feeling and how horrible it was. But it, it's almost like you've gone so far that it's really hard to get back from that space. But it is possible. And that's why, you know, these tools are so important. Not only can they help you get out of that space, but they can prevent you going into the space as well. And it's really worth me saying this now is that anxiety is not a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with feeling anxiety. It's when we go into overdrive and feel it all the time. And it's when we don't know how to manage it. What these tools are doing is just, it's giving us a way to manage that in our life so that when we do start to feel anxious, instead of hiding from it and, and panicking and putting ourselves into a bigger state of fear, we can go, okay, what tool do I have in my toolbox right now, which I can use? Meditation, breath work, inner child work, whatever it is that you need. And, and that's where meditation comes in. But, but for me, yet, yeah, it's, it's a very much a prevention rather than cure. It can, it will help you out of the space. But before you go into it, can you just prevent yourself going in by meditating every day? And I would say yes, because since I've been doing it, anxiety isn't something I have much in my life anymore. It, it might prop up, but nowhere near as much as it used to. And that's just because I'm, I'm managing it with that tool. So I love how you said tools in the toolbox and you keep talking about all of these different tools that you can use. I know that we've we've taken a deeper dive into meditation, but what about the other tools? Is there anything that you would say goes hand in hand with meditation or just what are those other tools that you reach for and would recommend that other people should try reaching for too? So things that go in hand in hand with meditation something to do before meditating. It's almost like a, a pre-meditation just so that you can feel more comfortable when you come into it. Because if you're panicking before you come to meditation and come to sit down, it's going to be very hard to feel that stillness and that calmness that you kind of want to create. I would say breath work is really, really important to just, as you sit down to start meditating, just start to focus on the breath. There's also breathing techniques, um, something called Kumbhaka, which is, is a yoga technique, which is basically a retention of the breath. So you can inhale for like a count of four, hold the breath for a count of four, exhale for a count of six. So if you're wanting to feel a bit more calm, you always extend the exhale. 
because that's going to put you back into that parasympathetic state. If you're feeling a bit groggy and, you know, you need a little bit of uplifting, then I would keep the breath exactly the same on the inhale and the exhale. Now, there's so many other techniques you can use. There's that one called Nadi Shodhana, which is alternate nostril breathing. There's um, Kapalabhati, which is like a breath of fire, which is very exhilarating in the morning. Different breaths for different things. Also, like the right side of the um, body is the sun side, which is a more kind of uh, active side of the body. And the left is the moon, the more um, grounded side. So for instance, if you're trying to sleep and you're finding it hard to sleep, just instead of alternate nostril breathing, just breathing in and out through the left, just to calm that space. And if you're needing that, you know, feeling sluggish, then just breathing in through the right. So that's one tool that you can do just before sitting and and, and meditating. Other things that really help, I think, and I always tell my students and clients is withdrawal of the senses. So starting to think about maybe blindfolding, maybe just sitting in a darker room, just so you can actually tempt yourself to go inwards rather than constantly in that external environment because it can be hard if you've got a lot of distractions we're not trying to like block out the external but at the beginning I'm very aware that it can be hard to just not focus on anything but the cars going past and it's a bit it can be very um grating I guess so until you're used to that, until you start to bring the external and internal together, which is what we kind of want in, in like later on, once we've been doing it for a while, I would say just have some earplugs or put some music in. It's nothing too distracting for the mind, something very ambient, um, like Moby, LA sounds or, you know, something like that, just so that you can tune inwards as much as you can and find that peaceful state. Another thing I love is just finding a ritualistic space for it. So I have a specific space I always have for meditating and put some crystals by it. This is obviously all optional. You don't have to go and buy crystals right tomorrow. You can totally meditate without all these things. But they're just things that make it more um, a more safe and ritualistic space. And rituals have been around for so many years. It's a very shamanic thing. And it just makes it more enjoyable and, and more safe when you feel more safe in the body. So what about something like yoga? Would you pair yoga and meditation together? 100%, yes. One of the main reasons that you would, or, or used to be traditionally, one of the reasons you would do yoga would be to get in a meditative state. Yoga in itself is a meditation, depending on how you're doing it. So if you're, you know, um, doing a yoga practice, it is seen as a moving meditation because you're focusing on breath and you're doing um, something that is uh, concentrating the mind. They call it dhyana concentration in yoga. Even just doing that without the seated meditation is going to be beneficial if you're finding it hard to sit. The thing I would say is, you know, I meditate first thing in the morning, but it's also beautiful to do a practice and then have a meditation to end because you are in a more still space. You focus the mind, but you've also um, moved the body and shifted any emotion and shifted any uh, shifted the breath through. And, you know, we call it prana, life force in yoga. So it's, it's actually moving that life force around the body and filling up with energy, but also feeling that balance in the nervous system. So yeah, I would say they definitely pair really beautifully together. And it, it is easier if you're not used to just sitting with your thoughts to, to do the, the yoga first and get into that space. 
Would you recommend meditation at a certain time of day? You said you meditate in the morning. Is that what you would normally recommend or is it better in the evening or is it great at both times? What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely great whenever you want to do it, really. It's something that just if, if you're feeling anxious and go for it. But I would say try to keep it consistent. So the reason I do it in the morning, the reason a lot of um, people will do it in the morning is because it sets you up for the day. So it's a boundary almost. I don't like to start my day without just sitting with myself and preparing my own mind before I start to try and prepare others. Because if you start to wake up in the morning and check your phone and you haven't done any you know, of your own personal development or personal work, you're basically letting life control you rather than you controlling life. Because if you want to take that you know, you're the powerful creator of your life, but it's up to you to take that control and take that power. And so many of us don't realize that it's in our own hands. So the meditating in the morning is really just taking your power back and saying, I'm going to look after me first so that I'm better prepared to look after everyone else for the day. And everything I do all day from there is going to be just more manageable and more beautiful. And you're going to be in a place of love and compassion and in a place of limitless possibility rather than that fear, um, anxiety and stress that we kind of create because we've looked at our phone before we've done anything. Is there anything else that you would recommend when it comes to self-care outside of like the meditation and yoga and breath work um, that you do in your everyday life that you would recommend to other people? So it's, it's very personal, of course, because there's so many different practices out there. What I would say is finding, making sure, you know, you find the time to do something every day. So whether it is meditating or journaling or both or moving on, you know, I would say an array of them is beautiful, having like a morning routine and then maybe doing something later in the day as well. So like you can do two meditations a day just to kind of break up the day, you know, when you're having that um, that moment where you just feel out of flow, you know, they call it flow state and you, you feel out of flow because you haven't taken a break. You have to take breaks in the day to actually make the day more, um, more I guess, more achievable actually to achieve something, but also surrender to that rather than trying to push and pull a bit. Um, some other things that I think are really handy to have in your toolbox um, are things like cold water therapy. So if you are feeling really, and I think I mentioned this really briefly earlier, but if you are feeling anxious, cold water is so uh, beautiful for coming back into that space of grounding. Um, things like manifesting, so using positive affirmations and just writing them down in your journal. Like I love gratitude journaling because it puts you in a state of abundance rather than lack. So if you wake up, do a meditation, then start to write three things you're grateful for in your journal, you're already putting your mind in like, I'm in a positive space and I'm grateful for my life and I'm, you know, I'm feeling good. You know, on those days when you're feeling really down and really like you don't have anything to be grateful for, remember that there's always something. For instance, I'm grateful for my warm, cozy bed or my hot coffee because when we start to realize that we have more than enough, we'll always feel in that place of abundance. If we look from things from a lack perspective, then we'll never have enough. It doesn't matter how many, you know, if we're millionaires, we'll never have enough if we're in a lack mindset. So it's kind of basically conscious repatterning. Our subconscious mind, you know, holds all this trauma from our past. And what we're trying to do is use techniques to repattern and reprogram the neural pathways. It's actually neuroscience just to actually change 
and strengthen the positive pathways rather than keep strengthening the negative because we are all stuck in quite negative headspaces. And because it's become a conscious habit, we now need to change the habits. So I'd say that's a really, really potent one. Just, you know, taking yourself off for a walk, you know, having a nice um, herbal tea and just, um, just, just even just being. I know it's very simple, but just sitting and doing nothing and being is what we, you know, what we were here to do, really. The, our purpose wasn't to achieve, achieve, achieve and put loads of stuff in our diary. Our, our purpose is just to be, and that's enough. Something I've been working with recently is mirror work, which is really beautiful. So you can look in the mirror and basically say what you love about yourself. And it doesn't have to be physical, but with no makeup on if you're a woman, just because we've been very conditioned that we're not beautiful, but all of us are beautiful exactly as we are. So things like that, or like, oh, I'm grateful for my feet for holding me up and I'm grateful that my body heals itself, like all these cuts and, and, and injuries we have. And we just, our body's so miraculous and so intelligent that it does all this great stuff for us. And we, you know, spend so much of our time focusing on what we don't like. And that is why we stay in those fear stuck um, states of mentality rather than this beautiful flow of gratitude and compassion. I mean, I could talk for hours, but I think I think that's, you know, I think that's a good uh, starting point, especially if people are beginners to meditation or rituals or different tools, etc. I would just say, you know, start today because it doesn't matter how much you do. If you're doing something, then you're going in the right direction to progress and growth. And once you start on the path, you can't get off it anyway. <laughs> I think that's like, I mean, you must know that as well. It's just one of those things you're, you're starting and like self-development. I'm just so, so happy and, and in it now and I can't get off the train, which is great. Um, but yeah, I would, I would just say start. And if anyone does need any help, then please contact me. I've got a mentorship at the moment, which is like three months long. And it's all about empowering the divine feminine and working with um, womb alchemy and womb healing and cycle awareness and just, you know, breaking down those stigmas of um, the conditioned patriarchy we've been in for so long. So we do a lot of the tools I've spoken about and then all this other yummy, um, delicious stuff as well. So where can people find you if they would like to reach out to you and work with you or just follow you and learn more about you? So my Instagram is Rosie Batamelli. Uh, my website is www.rosiebatamelli.com. And I think that's the same that I've also got a, another Instagram at the moment, but you'll be able to find me through my, um, my main account. Um, and yeah, that's it. I mean, obviously my last name is hard to spell, but <laughs> you'll find me. <laughs> 